0: Welcome, everyone, to this week's Really Big Man Podcast. I'm your host, Jizuk, joined, as always, by my co-host and wife, Acronym. Hello. Hello. It's good. Right. It's fine. Um, and we've got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking to another member of Bathroom of the Future, Mr. Sean, who's also known as Brutal Fattery on, uh, on Twitch and everywhere else on the internet, about his love for the band GWAR. Uh, we've got our serotonin boost coming up. I can't wait to discuss with uh, you guys what mine is this week. Uh, before we do, though, it's always headline time when we start the show. I mean, did you have anything you wanted to contribute before we jump right in?
1: No, well, I'm good. <laughs> Let's roll. Okay.
0: The huge news this week was it was the big weekend for Hollywood with Barbie and Oppenheimer opening on the same weekend and uh, people going to do double features of it and the memes have been fantastic. But at the end of the day, Barbie beat Oppenheimer in its first weekend, but both films did fantastic at the box office and it'll be funny to see. Going forward each week, if they're just the top two, and how many weeks that lasts.
1: Yeah, the staggering.
0: What movie will eventually come in and slip through and make it like between them? Turtles. Hopefully. (laughs) I know it's the one, that's the next time we're planning on going to the (laughs) movie.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I've been talking to some people about Barbie because they've been kind of telling me their thoughts, even though I have not seen it yet. Sure. And everybody was like, I thought this was going to be more fun. I'm having an existential crisis. Oh, wow. So um, there's a lot of that apparently going on and a lot of... um, There are uh, themes. Patriarchy smashing. Yeah. One of the big things. Hit it. Hell yeah. A lot of men were very uncomfortable, apparently. Yeah. Was it... Paul Shapiro or whatever, Ben, ben, ben Shapiro, Shapiro was
0: all pissy over the weekend about Barbie. for
1: forty five minutes. Somebody yeah. photoshopped Ken uh, Kendall's body on the bottom of him, completely naked. <laughs> somebody photoshopped him like burning Barbies. I mean, no, he he did burn Barbies. Barbie? That happened. Oh, okay. that that was real. He's pathetic. It's um. true. <laughs> and on that note, um. As, as we're in the movie side of things real quick, Snoop Dogg decided that he was going to cancel his two Hollywood Bowl shows yeah. to be in solidarity with everybody in WGA and SAG-AFTRA during the strike. So Interesting. So he was supposed to be doing doggy style tour, like a 30-year thing, Hollywood Bowl. And I think because it's the Hollywood Bowl, he decided he was going to strike for those two shows. So they're not doing them.
0: But how many how many SAG-AFTRA people had tickets that were.
1: And and that's probably I'm sure they're probably postponed. They're not like canceled, but they are or it does say canceled. Yeah. So I I don't know if maybe they're going to update that or something, but it says that. You know, he is choosing not to do those shows in solidarity. So I'm sure if they get canceled that ahead of time, they get their money back at least. but
0: could have just looked at the list of people who bought tickets and anybody who you know is a studio head be like, your ticket's no good.
1: <laughs> and of course, they're not going to do that. It would take them forever to do that. And they're all high. Well, um, so, but. That's the way he's he's been outspoken about that lately, as well as, you know, bringing up as he's seeing what's going on with them going, you know, the music industry needs to do the same thing because we're not getting paid properly. Right. He was talking about his costs of what he used to make as an artist and now what he doesn't make because he's not selling physical copies of things like they used to.
0: So that's something I've thought of. Uh, I mean, we talk about this every week, the, the strike or everything, but something that I thought of is like an underlying future problem that I don't, that not a lot of people are talking about. So the SAG after strike when it's over, hopefully means that the people creating the thing are getting more money. That doesn't mean the people at the top are going to make less money. They're just going to find other people to squeeze, to make more money. And eventually that's going to be us. And Netflix is going to be like a 25 or $30 a month service and Disney Plus and Paramount and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, but and nobody the, can afford that. Right. So.
0: Their, their subscription numbers are going to drop and then these services are just going to close the fuck up mm-hmm. because they can't afford the cost of, uh, you know, making it because their stockholders want a certain amount of growth every quarter and, and they want a certain amount of money for making the decisions, even when they're stupid decisions. Yeah. I, I th- and, th- and like, what are we going to do then? <laughs>
1: This is right up there with that whole argument about, like, you going, well, fuck billionaires, you don't care. Sure. It's right up there with that on the side of, like, I would rather people get paid fairly for their contributions. And if they're not getting fairly paid, then...
0: You'd rather not have the access to the thing? Yeah. If it means yeah. that people don't get... To pay their bills.
1: Well, you know, if, if I'm being completely honest, you know, I am somebody that works on entertainment stuff constantly. For sure. There's 90 percent of it. I don't get paid for it. Right. And it's very hard to maintain that. And it turns into this thing where it's like, well, if I just hang on long enough, then I'll get on a tour or right. I'll, I'll get picked up by an artist or something like that. And it's so hard when, you know, people doing that and undervaluing even what people need to create for their stuff, you know, talking about photos and uh, graphics and things like that. So the problem doesn't solve no matter where we're at, because it's always going to be passing it around from one side to another until, you know, an actual studio gives a shit. Now, I know that A24 is actually, I think, being permitted to do some things because you can submit waivers to hopefully get your projects rolling or whatever, and I think but they accepted every yeah. They were like we're one hundred percent okay, let's go. Yeah. And that's the smart decision and they're gonna win out on that. And if yeah, the I mean studios don't follow suit, then you're gonna see collapses of studios.
0: You're gonna see in like six or twelve months the only movies that are coming out are A twenty four movies.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, and whoever else gets approved for those um those clearances because yeah. you can submit your project through it. It just depends on, you know, what you're doing and if they decide to green light it or not. But overall, it's, you know, if the other studios are going to become bigger studios out of this process because they did accept that and they get approved to go forward then you do have that thing of, well, I don't want to work with that studio anymore because they're not going to do that. And those studios will go down before any of those streaming services do, I think, in my brain.
0: Well, that's the interesting thing, too, is you brought up A24 has, uh, you know, has been permitted to do stuff. I wonder which of like the big, whether it's Paramount or, uh, you know, Disney or Fox or well, Fox is Disney now, but like which of the big studios would be the first to crack? Will be the first to be like, all right, fine. Like, eight, like eight, I wouldn't say A24 cracked, but they were like, we agree. Yeah. We will give you everything you want. And they were like, cool, keep making movies.
1: Well, yeah, and considering how many studios were trying to force people to lose their homes and were... Right. Which one of... about Warner Brothers,
0: Paramount, and like Disney, you know, like which one of those three is going to be the first to go like, yeah, all right, give it to them. So that they can, yeah. so that they can also continue to push their content forward, like and get a head start on the others.
1: I think it's like the brainwashing of culture, but like in, in my brain, I was both going Disney and not Disney at the same time, right? Just because Disney has the most to lose. That's true, because <laughs> you're looking at that body of now they have absorbed over every company, right? If they don't do something soon, they're screwed. Yeah. And they're already, you know, cutting things or pulling things off of Disney Plus, which we know how I feel about that.
0: Well, that's um, what I was saying about, like. These, already losing money. That's what I was saying about the streaming services. Just, you know, like if Netflix collapses tomorrow, Stranger Things is just gone. Yep. Unless you find a pirate, you know, version of it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there's lots of that's just one example. There's tons of things that just disappear.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at that point, I would see a lot of physical copies coming in. They'd have to uh, reroute pretty much all of the remaining funding they'd have to push out that. To try and push out Blu-rays. Yeah. Probably
0: just Blu-rays at this point.
1: Yeah. So with all of that, but.
0: That being said, uh, one of the weird things to come out of San Diego Comic-Con, which we'll get into in a minute, is that uh, Marvel slash Disney is putting out a steelbook for WandaVision that does not contain any discs. It's just a steel book. If you want to have a physical something on your bookshelf because you really liked Wandavision, that's so... a discless steel book.
1: That's fucking dumb, isn't it? <laughs> I'm sorry, but it is. <laughs> uh, I I would not give money to that. Honestly, no. It's like there's you're getting nothing. Yeah, is it images? Is it
0: no? It's just a steel book with the Wandavision cover on it and probably something on the back and. You open it up and there's nothing in there.
1: If it was like a keepsake box that would still make more (laughs) sense. Wow. Goofy. Absolutely goofy. I don't know anybody that likes WandaVision that much.
0: Yeah, that's the other thing is like that's the project you decided to debut the, you know, discless steelbook for.
1: (laughs) Well, it wasn't going to work for Secret Invasion, though we have not watched the last episode. Uh, Apparently, they are just like, everybody is just kind of going this was useless yeah was absolutely useless and you took certain people off the board for no reason not to i'm like i'm not spoiling it for anybody if you haven't watched
0: right it. right yeah, like like you said we haven't seen it yet but i can i can honestly see where like this doesn't largely affect anything until a year or two from now or maybe two or three years from now when a movie decides that this happened in secret invasion
1: so now this is happening i i honestly think it'll come up in the marvels to, 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 I hope because so. Because the, the connection of Skrulls. And Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. And Carol and everything. Like, that makes the most sense to me. But, yeah. I, I mean, it's been... I've liked it. It's been good, but it's not been like, oh, my God, I have to watch it. Yeah. It's... Like, we're like, we have this routine of going and getting groceries, coming back, I make food, we watch whatever show we're watching. Right. And so... You know, that's been in the process, but I don't think Secret Invasion has done the- I think
0: that's what Disney Plus, ever since Mandalorian, is counting on, mm-hmm. is that people will get into the routine that we've gotten into. It's like, oh, it's Wednesday or Friday that I've got to watch my new Star Wars or Marvel
1: show. Mm-hmm. Yep, I can see that for sure. Well, like I said, San Diego
0: Comic-Con was the other big news this weekend that happened uh, over from Friday to, uh, or yeah, it was from Thursday to Saturday. Uh, I think we might have mentioned last week that it was going to be a very weird San Diego Comic Con because a lot of the uh, creators weren't going to uh, show up to you know advertise whatever projects are coming up because they're on strike. Um, they did get some of the uh, some of the like I think Seth Rogen was there along with the director of Ninja Turtles to talk about it, yeah. but like some of the voice actors and the actors and actresses and stuff were were not in attendance of San Diego. Everybody on my Twitter seemed to actually enjoy
1: San Diego Comic Con more. Yeah, without all the celebrities. and Yeah, with the studios not showing
0: up to like, you know, eat up uh, a whole bunch of panels and and make a whole bunch of people show up because they want to see the new trailer for whatever the new DC thing is or whatever.
1: Did you say that that Hellfire Gala thing that they did, was that like a last minute addition because of that? I don't think so. So, yeah, they
0: they had like a a cosplay event essentially for X-Men fans called the Hellfire Gala where you could dress up in your in your best suit and then actually go to the hellfire gala which is a thing that happens every year now in the x-men comics um and no i think they've done it in previous years but i don't think it's ever been this big gotcha. and that's, i that's you know and i don't think they would have focused on it if they had like new marvel movies or something to mm-hmm. promote mm-hmm. too so but it also they made sure to coincide the book which came out today with San Diego Comic Con. Mm-hmm. And the reason they did that is because it is a huge sea change for the X-Men books in the same way that like House of X and Powers of Ten were a huge flip everything on its ear. Like this is this is the Empire Strikes Back of the Kirkoan era.
1: Gotcha. This
0: is the oh no. <laughs> I've been every week I've been buying X-Men comics and reading them and knowing that this was coming. is was like it's just like I've been holding my breath.
1: <laughs> when is it going to drop?
0: Every Wednesday when I read, like, oh, this is the last issue before the gala. Oh, no. <laughs> like Everybody's walking to sunset and very happy, but they're not about to be because bad things are coming. Uh, one of the other things the comic companies announced is that DC is doing, I've actually got the new DC Connect here in front of me. Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong is coming in October. <laughs> you can see that but why and so you could see superman punch godzilla in the snout i want to <laughs> see that just that panel I'm like bunk
1: how does that phrase go where it's like you uh nobody stops to ask why yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> like, that is where my brain went with that i'm like Re- we were we were so busy asking if
1: we could that we never asked if we should that's what exactly <laughs> Speaking of things that are cartoon and comic related, a lead into a music thing for a second. So The Simpsons really does predict it all. <laughs> um, <laughs> as to, This is a spin post that I'm looking at. It says, as foretold by the long running Fox TV show in 1996, the legendary rap duo of uh, Cypress Hill is indeed playing shows with symphony orchestras. Hell yeah. After playing with the Colorado Symphony last week, the rap group will be performing with the San Diego Orchestra tomorrow and the Nashville Symphony in September. So, Cypress Hill is now being played in symphony areas. Hell yeah. I don't know if their amphitheater looked as smoky as my Snoop Dogg and it was <laughs> one. But if it's outdoors, I'm sure it will.
0: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) You remember, I think it was one of the first episodes of this podcast that we did when I discovered the uh, Symphony Orchestra version of X Gonna Give It To You. Yep. On Spotify. And I was like, this is amazing. This is what, if you come out to X Gonna Give It To You as a wrestler, the Symphony Orchestra version is the version you come out to at WrestleMania. That would be pretty Amazing. (laughs) Uh, the last bit of San Diego Comic-Con news I wanted to lay on you is that uh, Adult Swim has a new season of Foolie Cooley coming in September. It is the fourth season. I think we've only watched the first one because the, the second and third were only on uh, Adult Swim. Yeah. So I really need to figure out where I can watch that and watch those because I really like the first one. Yeah. And the creator of Cowboy Bebop, uh, Shinchiro Watanabe, is directing a new anime with John Wick director Chad Strolsky. Mm. Um and it's uh supposed to be another adult swim exclusive. Uh it's going to be called Lazarus. Mm. And it is about hold on it's uh takes place in the year 2052 and follows the story of a neuroscientist who concocts a cure all drug that has dire side effects that result in death with its users within 3 years. Mm. So another kind of futuristic uh uh anime but it's the Cowboy Bebop guy.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> uh, that uh that intro better bid be banger that's all I'm saying. I think it says
0: uh, the trailer features music by saxophonist Kemazi's Kazmi- Washington, as well as British electronic music DJ Floating Points. Yeah. So, yeah, jazz and uh, hip hop kind of combined. That sounds good.
1: Yeah. I, I just said that uh, Tank is just so iconic. Tank is nothing's going to beat that. Tank is really good. <laughs>
0: All right, well, let's get to our interview segment. Where, as I said earlier, we're going to be talking to Brutal Fattery, also known as our buddy Sean from Bathroom of the Future, about his love of Guar, and that's next on the Really Big Fan Podcast. Welcome back to the Really Big Fan Podcast. Chizok and Acronym hanging out in the studio this week. I'm excited because not only do we have basically one of the people in my life that are super f- fans of Guar, the mm-hmm. band Guar, which I'll, I'll get into that in a moment. But this gives us our second member of Bathroom of the Future <laughs> that we've had on the podcast. We now had fifty percent of Bathroom of the Future on this podcast. I'm going to be aiming to make that a hundred percent. Oh, I
1: keep forgetting there's a keyboard player. I was like fifty percent. Oh. So if you watch back that video and I go, wait, yeah, <laughs> no, I got a percentage.
0: And i gotta get uh I gotta get uh james James uh, second <laughs> james. Sean james. <laughs> welcome to the really big fan podcast uh. <laughs> so as I mentioned earlier, uh one of the things that I've talked to you about is that uh you are a fan of Guar um, and throughout my life, I've always had people in my life that have been fans of Guar, but they've always kind of been few and far between like no two of them have ever known each other right. which is uh fascinating to me we'll get into it in a minute but uh let's start at the ground floor at the very beginning if somebody did not know anything about the band guar how would you
2: explain to them what guar is uh, um are we gonna kayfabe this or what sure yes okay so guar is basically like uh moronic band of intergalactic barbarians who used to wage eternal war against Cardinal Sin and his legions swimming under the master. However, at some point, they destroyed a, the wrong planet and as punishment were sent to Earth and eventually were frozen. However, during the 80s, the whole the ozone layer caused by uh, the poofy head glam rockers actually thawed them out, and their manager, Sleazy P. Martini, uh, stumbled upon them, got them addicted to uh, mostly crack, and uh, handed them instruments in exchange for going around earning Sleazy a bunch of money. They also killed and tried to mate with anything they possibly could. Um, But yeah, since the 80s, they've been like many people somehow i've I've survived like 30 or so shows Uh, that's impressive and uh i don't know how i just make it out alive covered in blood and just do my best somehow they come back to the same venue the next year i don't know why they allow it uh, (laughs) it just happens
1: i've heard about the blood i've heard about people saying if you ever get to photograph the elusive guar watch out for the blood
0: yes they have they have like I've seen on stage they'll bring out like a big meat grinder like a giant meat grinder then put people in it mm-hmm. and crank it and then blood will fly out yeah Jerry Springer got fed to that one somehow he came out alive for a while yeah <laughs> no it's 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 amazing how they discorporate them in the meat grinder and then somehow put them back together I I don't get it but hey <laughs> like that's why I'm, I'm on this side of the stage right so let's let's get a little more personal. Where did you come in as far as Guar? Like, what was your first exposure to the band?
2: Um, very first, you know, like be this and Head and watch them. Um, yeah, so I'd see that in some episodes. Um, the only, the thing about Guar is they're so amazing live, but you you catch their videos and it, it never captures the magic. So I was like, oh. These cool monster guys, okay, whatever. And they had like bit parts of movies and stuff. Um, right. But yeah, like, uh, how, how they, I really got hooked on them when I was in high school. Uh, I started hanging out with, you know, my new friends, my one friend Richard, wanted to go to the show. We weren't able to go, regardless. But it was a weird coincidence where, like, I had happened to borrow my like, cousins' Genesis. I'd play the Beingus Butthead game. And then, like, my one friend's like, oh, we should go see Guar. And again, we, we couldn't make a ride happen because we're dorks. Um, but we, we hung out at his house playing video games and such. And uh, I listened to Ragnarok and the album uh, America Must Be Destroyed. And I just knew this was perfect for me from the get. And I mean, you know, and I, I, I can't even act like the like the music was cool. There was it was something I, I'd already heard like ICP and Marilyn Mance before that, and in some ways it wasn't as dark, but like it really grabbed me in a certain way. Like I knew this was to be my thing when I was like fourteen years old. Interesting. Yeah, there's like a a bit of a cartoonishness to them. Like
0: I've I've heard people uh, say that like um, Rob Zombie. Has a bit of a cartoonishness to him or even Marilyn Manson to a degree that, you know, some other artists that go dark do not have. Um, and there's definitely that with Guar. I remember being exposed to Guar through the idiot box that was on MTV. It was uh, the guy from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, the blonde guy. I can't remember his name. Alex Winter. And he had like a sketch comedy show and then they show videos the in between. But he did a bunch of lost sketches. Lost Boy? With Guar, the lost yeah. Boy? Yeah, from the Lost Boys. He did a bunch of sketches with Guar, and I was like, this is insane. And then eventually I met somebody who had albums of Guar, and I listened to a couple of songs. It was like, I had the op- exact opposite reaction you had.
2: I was like, this is not for me. Yeah. Um well with that though, I knew the subject matter was cool, but like Dave Rocky's voice is something else. And unfortunately, like the same way, like my era emulated Beavis Button and whatnot, a lot of the ways they deliver words are from listening to so much of that stuff. Like, I was just so obsessed as there's, I mean, if you watch a thing or you like listen well, to some banner between it, you can see directly where I stole shit from Brocky, how this time is a throw I want. But like, the single voice was different. And then, so I I'd gravitate towards like some of the other characters. Because I always, up until the mental core days, they would always have like two, three other characters per album singing songs. Uh, so like Casey Orr as Beefcake and Mike Bishop as Beefcake for Casey Orr out of the two um, from those eras, Cause there's been like five Beefcakes, but which instrument uh, does Beefcake play? Bass. Okay. Yeah, he's the, the giant uh, Spartan warrior one. Uh, there. This guy. Can't <laughs> nah, really see but already. he's there. I I swear it's there. Uh but like I i want to listen to that stuff. But like there was cool things about it, but like when you hear somebody that sings in a way you never heard, you gotta kinda like let it become part of you. It's not like it's like Tom Waits or something, you know? It's like you don't just yeah. go, Oh boy, this this is gonna be this is the best thing I ever heard in my life. But like I I knew from the get that Guar was that way, especially I already knew there was like comics and like uh, you know, they never, they never really had the action figures, but eventually they had like uh, Warhammer style uh, figures for the Rubble on Antarctica game. And Jerry, yeah. there, was, there was so many attacks. And, like, you, you'd look at the, the CD book, and there'd be like the real picture of all but these just perverse drawings that like you have to hide from the parents because uh, it's just you know, very lewd. Yeah, it was definitely a thing
0: that i was like i can't play this very loud at home mom will ask me what the hell is that
1: <laughs> so i
2: managed uh the the hiding from the parents one year i managed to get my mom to uh buy the ragnarok on cd at it was in stock at buyer and thankfully she didn't even look at the track list or listen to it because the first song beat sandwich is like you know telling you like uh uh, don't send me jesus he's only a man and all these things I'm like oh martyr dump you know about uh don't <laughs> die from the dead religion dead religion die this is my easter present
1: yeah. that makes it even better man happy easter here's gwart <laughs> now there now you have to find like a drawing of the guys in Guar but put little bunny ears. Little
0: bunny ears on the guys in Guar.
2: <laughs> there's there's I think there's a video of them wearing, in like doing an Easter egg art with the bunny ears on somewhere. Yeah.
1: <laughs> of or, course there is. That's that would amazing.
2: Make, that would make sense. <laughs> so Sean, speaking of drawing, you are also an
0: artist. Uh you're you're on Twitch, you're doing wood burnings, you do uh designs do. for your band and, and all that stuff. Um, i do a thing or two. Was the art that Guar uses like kind of an influence on you as far as getting
2: into drawing that kind of thing um oh 100 plus like yeah, i get <laughs> i got into this i got heavy into them in high school i you know like of course you know that's all i did was them. like I, would like digital journals are kind of the things that i could just i don't need a reference yeah a reference will make it better but like i know the angles of the stuff at because i obsessed Right. I, a lot of my friends in high school, there was like at least like five, ten of us that were like just obsessed. And like, if that into it, you know, you try to like out fanboy the other ones. You know, right. It'd be a yeah, bigger that, A thing that happens when you're in high school. And it, it forever for a lot of fandoms. It's, it's yeah, true. for some.
1: I it still do with Fallout Boy. Do you? I was like, that was like the. I. I I was the first person out of my group to ever find Fallout Boy, and the first person I ever knew to find Fallout Boy, so I'm very <laughs> about it sometimes.
0: <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned Ninja Turtles, so I have to sidebar about this. Uh how do you feel about the new movie that's coming out?
2: Um I usually don't watch trailers. I happen to watch this trailer. Uh I I like the stylized nature. I, I think that everybody involved loves it and um i haven't of collecting them yet but this looks like a respectable reboot whatever but they can keep making the stuff running to the ground if they're gonna keep reissuing the same toys i had as a kid i could yeah. buy them for ten dollars <laughs> like i i was looking at like well like i had to do whatever i could not buy like baxter stockman and rocksteady the other day at walmart yeah but uh <laughs> like if that's going to come out every time let, let them do their thing who cares I'm glad that like
1: they don't have those creepy faces like that one set I saw
2: yes yeah there was a
0: set we saw at Walmart that had like very exaggerated faces that were like yeah that was when that was when the toys started getting really silly but I <laughs> well, it does I it, it does warm my heart whenever we go shopping and I see the toys on the shelf that are identical replicas of the toys that were on yeah, the shelf when I was a kid yeah it's just affordable. cool affordable I mean, they a little
2: the price sh- of a reaction figure.
0: Yeah, yeah. That always. So, I would have more of those reaction figures if they were the price they're sh- they're supposed to be.
2: Like Star yeah. Wars
0: figures were like four bucks maybe when I was a kid. And those reaction figures were like twenty dollars.
2: Yeah, and the remakes of the Ninja Turtles are straight up ten bucks right now. So yeah, it's awesome. Well, yeah, and again, like the Ninja Turtles and stuff. It's like I grew up on those, so that I see like wired well, looks like giant jaded you Know for Digital sure, all things uh, it's, it's sci fi comics and everything come to life. Plus, I played Warhammer for a bit when I was like really young, like 10, 11, 12, stuff. So. Okay, so same deal, Magic the Gathered cards, all yeah. that stuff being thrown into this weird heavy metal punk rock theatrical show.
1: Are you into Lord of the Rings
2: too? Um, yeah, so you all would have loved by fifth grade teacher he actually owned the hobby store Yo. so we read so we read the Hobbit. whenever he taught us like a, a history thing it was like like uh the vikings and stuff it was like vikings versus the natives we all got little figures uh that we'd play like a turn based tabletop game and then up through like the civil war or something every historical thing we we'd actually play that tabletop turn-based stuff as a class wow uh, that's we were, amazing we were, we were given like of course you like would give away like a gift card to his store for right christmas so, so of course now like yeah we got one free figure we're out of pay now we want the whole like how to play warhammer kit for christmas so uh and that's but, cool but then we read the hobbit as a class we know all that stuff so i'm not like super into lord of the rings i I, I loved it visually. I liked the original trilogy of the Lord of the Rings movies. How it was too CG for me, yeah. but yeah. And like, I don't read like I used to be able to. So
1: I feel that like, I can't pummel through books like I used to. anymore. yeah, uh, I'm not great at it. <laughs> no, well, I figured I'd that's because like normally, if like you're into like Vikings and. And, you know, medieval stuff, Lord of the Rings is sometimes that gateway sure. into well, it, well, or Magic the Gathering, one of the two.
2: Yeah, and I, I was pretty heavy at the Magic the Gathering during like middle school, too. Uh, I killed away all my cards at the end of the eighth grade, because I thought, like, new school to me, I was going to be cool. Ah. Not, no, but, like, a couple months later, I'm collecting spawn toys, playing video games, obsessing about, you know, the... The, the band of the alien that pees on everybody.
0: <laughs> I used to, when I worked at the game store, I always used to tell people when they were selling their collections, I was like, keep one deck. If you're going to sell your magic cards, keep one deck because you might fall back into it. And if you do, you're going to be very upset that you didn't at least keep that one deck that you used to play all
2: the time. All right. And it's definitely I would play that and, uh, or D&D on their, on their boss. Like that was, you know, they all... I, I read like various members talk about like what decks people would play, like in a yep. it kind of would make sense. But one's red and black, like obviously. That's why he's obsessed with this kind of imagery. Right. The show is in the character.
0: It's funny, I never put it together the idea of Warhammer and Guar. Like those those two fandoms do completely those those oh, yeah. are,
2: those circles mesh <laughs> for and, sure. Uh, when they uh came back strong in in O one in two thousand one with Violence has arrived. It was like the first time they really like outsourced for their arc completely. they had the Warhammer artist Adrian Smith do the cover. Nice. Uh so and it was some iconic imagery. It was great.
1: So what out of the like the oh sorry, go ahead. Oh. Uh, out of all the t- bands that like you listen to over time uh, is it the theatricality that kind of gets you interested into certain stuff or is it just specifically Guar that you like or do you like stuff like Ghost and things like that too uh, well
2: other than the fact that like I saw Great Jello on MTV first um well was kind of like the first gimmick band I cared about when I've loved a million gimmick bands since uh and me and my friends would always try to get like, like we, we were making costumes and trying to basically like totally not be guar guys but like <laughs> yeah I start like ridecore and like death metal scary things we had friends that did the same thing down river I don't know if you guys remembered hate work back in the early 2000s they did a lot of the, like familiar, familiar. <laughs> they ran a lot of the, like Harpo's opening games yeah, yeah. It, was, it was always like we're totally not just ripping off guard, We're doing this. It's like, yeah, anybody who doesn't know is just super onerous, right? <laughs> you mentioned Green Jello. That's what I was going to say. I
0: That was the band I was the most familiar with in the 90s. They had that Three Little Pigs song with a claymation video, and it was so cool. And then, like, instead of putting out an album, they put out a video cassette.
1: And then yeah, the yeah. record
0: company said, like, no, you have to put an album out. So yeah. The album was the soundtrack to the video cassette. <laughs> Kind of thing. That's fun. Um, how Green Jello and Guar have a connection, but I am fuzzy on what it is. Can you
2: elaborate? Um, so, I mean, honestly, we, we should message Bill Manspeaker speaker, and give the day he might actually answer it properly. But uh, from what I gather or half read somewhere, I think Guar went through uh, like Buffalo, New York one time, and they just hit it off. And of like shown i i think like one of the guar guys showed like the green jello guys how they made the costumes uh yeah when okay I, now now however Gwar went would to do much much better start casting stuff right and you know used like injectable latex or green jello to this day is still using colored duct tape yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're like shitty guar <laughs> oh, I mean, we have a band now like you and I could join right now
1: yeah like, you we, guys we, are like you just have like, to go we, spend like 10 bucks on this thing correct <laughs> right, exactly. we just,
2: we'd have to like a, figure out a way to do like a Skype training thing and I saw I saw Green Jello at the gathering last year and they probably had 30 people playing on stage oh yeah it was <laughs> it was they had this car that like would travel like you know, through these 10 cities, and then all the people back up, and they just, it was good. <laughs> <And> they're all <laughs> playing the same thing, you know, you get you got remember, 10 guitarists playing the same thing, it just sounds heavier. I remember even the video cassette had,
0: like, they'd show the pictures of the band, and there was, like, three drummers, and two bass players, and seven
1: guitarists, and three singers. See, and you think that, like, Dropkick Murphys has too many band members. Oh, think that's right. I look at a band like that, but we even even think of green jello. And I'm
0: like, what was what were they like when they were just a local band? Like when they were local for a while, when a local band shows up and they've got all these goofy duct tape puppets (laughs) and like 14 members. Like, what are you supposed to think? When you're like yeah, a like, three or a three or four piece punk band.
1: Well, and I'm thinking too, like you guys both really love Cybertronic Spree. You've played with Cybertronic Spree right. and in a lineup like those guys. There's enough of them to where they don't fit on the Pike Room stage. Yes. So well, it's like add any they, more. They than also like uh,
2: they swap in and out though. Sometimes Rupple's able to play. Sometimes yeah. they can't. Uh, so they they modify their stuff a lot. Yeah, like back in the 90s, that was a thing, especially in heavy bands. like you go to like a local show and it's like two singers, either of them playing an instrument. Well, yeah, having a DJ or something, like, come on, like you're not scratching for the whole song. Figure this out. (laughs) see Multiple drummer bands even before Slip That, like, well, obviously Green Jello did before Slip That. Lots of bands have like uh, extra percussionist, extra like folk hit drummers. Uh, yeah,
0: that's
1: always mind blowing. When, when, with when two there's bass
0: players, when there's two drummers in a band, that's always mind blowing because those guys got to be lockstep. Well, Otherwise, it's going to sound like garbage.
1: Yeah, because there's um, an electronic drummer with also like those bigger—I don't know what they are—like the bigger bongo-looking drums yeah. on either side, and then an actual drummer for Bring Me the Horizons. So yeah, there's like two drummers for them. Yeah, like, so like they've got a percussionist. Yeah, basically
0: to go to go together with that.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, Sometimes Sorry. you say auxiliary percussionist so they you're not the guy that that hits the keg with the steel pipe, even though that's what yeah. you're actually doing. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, and that what half of what Metallica's Saint Anger sounds like. That. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> 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 when,
2: you, when you look at it that way. Lars is the basic percussionist.
1: <laughs> it's true.
2: Fair, very fair. So you got into Guara, as you said, kind of kind of early in
0: junior high, high school. What about them has sustained throughout your life that you've continued, that it wasn't a thing that you were like, eh, this is cool, and then you grew out of it? A
2: a lot of it was tradition. and I mean, I missed last year, but before that, what was it? So, like, 15 to 39, I saw them, like, every year on the COVID. Uh, I I saw every every Detroit area show that wasn't a festival. Um, so, and a couple Grand Rapids shows and stuff. like, um, So it became a tradition, you know? It's like, it's Halloween. I'm seeing some monsters kill something. Uh, if it's an election year, you know they're going to kill all the candidates. <laughs> right? Um, you know, like, there was times where, like, I don't know, I'm about one of those, like, lunar cycle people. But eventually, like, you know, you got these highs and lows weeks and, and bumps. You're going into the, the death of all seasons and suppressing. You get there, that the first song, someone's head gets chopped off. Blood washes all over you. You know, you know, you can make it. I don't know. It was, it was reassuring. You feel clean again. Huh? You, were, you were reborn. I mean, like, I don't know how personal we're getting, but like, when my mom died when I was like 19 I was worried because it was October and I was like hey what day is this gonna happen because oh, no. I needed I was like I'm going to this show and I don't know what I understood and it was thankfully like the funeral was like a week before but I didn't know how things worked and like sure enough like I had my friends there and if, but if I didn't go seek water I don't, I don't know how I'd be you know like that's it's saved me countless times yeah just like this is what i need and it's it's corny it's theatrical it's it's you know loud it's vulgar but (laughs) you know it's it has its place so you you said
0: you've seen them like multiple years in in a row do they change that and you've also said that they're they're the kind of band that like they're a live band like you you can listen to the records but you you don't really know what the experience is unless you experience it live are they the uh, kind okay. of band that like have they ever played the same set in two shows that you've seen or do they change
2: the setup like every I think time they changed, i think they change their set list right tonight you're there that's cool uh, you know like well what happens a lot is New album cycle, they're going to have like a lot of times they have a song dedicated to like a new, new giant villain. You're probably sure. going to see them fight that bad at the end. A lot of times they're going to tour every year though. So the next year they have a lot of like uh wrestling match tours where it's like, okay, so uh like Bush and Clinton are going to fight each other. Okay. And they're like, they're, they're, they're like, they're like, Tag they're, they're fighting each other, then like all the rest of this executioner, like, I would have then just go and pull that or whatever. they like tag matches where like like the Destructo brothers will come out, Techno Destructo, boss Destructo, Starboard, depending on what era. And they and they'd be like have the final one where it's like kind of a lazier tour where they they play a lot of the old hits, they're not stuck with playing that cycle. Sure. Of uh, the albums, whatever. And, you know, they, they just... They know that they almost want to see some to some blood. So they can kind of get away with that. Well, they have a lot of the same bits that they do all the time. And sometimes they'll break out the old costume. The costumes have a shelf life; latex degrades. Uh-huh. Uh, do you have any old masks? Do you have any old masks or, pro, or props or whatever you'll already know? That's how their stuff goes. So they try to get some good mileage out of it. But... But, so, yeah, so... they you have similar stuff.
0: So... I'm assuming at some point you floated the idea of Bathroom of the Future wearing
2: costumes. Um, no. No? Okay. <laughs> however, however, yes, I have tried to get something going with Tim countless times where we were going to do stuff. And before Bathroom of the Future was a thing, we did have silly ideas for like special occasions. Sure. Uh, I don't know, like, I don't think we're going to do any costume thing unless we get like, on, like a cheapy creepy or something. Right, yeah, some some kind of Halloween show. But, uh, I was gonna say,
1: like, you guys now there's four of you. You guys could be Ghostbusters. It's true. Yeah, <laughs> there there's already prototype
2: packs, the packs and the Bantha of prototype packs.
1: Yeah, there's like a lot oh, of okay.
2: stuff. Um, so here's the other thing. We thought about like we did Dragon Car and we have all these other cops that we're like trying to get at, trying to make work out. Um, the main reason we don't even cosplay for that stuff is that. We don't want someone to see us for the first time and think they were like a Ghostbusters, sweet bands, because those fair. exist. Yeah, yeah. And no, that that's fair. Because you do it as a band, you want to do the thing. Like, now let's say there was like another Downriver River uh, show. We we had to be silly and wear costumes for that. But like, we were so particular. If we do it the wrong way, like, let's say we look extra science fiction, a Bath of the Future to a sound one, I can't. Uh, I right. always really waited for the point where like, you spray fake poo or something on somebody <laughs> at that point.
1: I was thinking alien goo. Goo. Not ooze. Oh, that ooze. Goo. goo and ooze are different. Yeah. Ooze is reserved for the turtles. Right. Well, Sean, it's been ooze.
0: an absolute pleasure. I think it's been educational. <laughs> uh and as
2: always, I, I love hanging out with you. Um, plug your stuff. What do you what do you got going uh, on? Um, well, yeah, obviously Bath in the Future is always doing something or another. Uh, I think I switched my name Brutal Thattery on all the socials Uh, all all the socials you know I put my art out there I do Twitch streaming Um, just trying to stay busy and have a good time
0: yeah, but, I've uh, seen more of Mega Man X in your Twitch stream than I ever saw yeah. playing at my, it my uh, in in my own yeah. life. Because Mega <laughs> Man the X series is too hard
2: for me. I'll stick with regular yeah. Mega Man. I'm the opposite, I think that being able to upgrade, uh, you tough it out for a level or two, then it starts getting easier. So play X Four. You like X Four? All right, all right. I'll t- I'll take that Thank under you, advisement.
0: Um, do you want to see what we've learned about Guar? while you've got Sean here to maybe uh, you know, use oh, got, as a lifeline.
1: Uh sure. I, I, okay. I could
0: do a lot I can do a lot of guar talk. I have really really started yet.
1: <laughs>
0: so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna I'm gonna read off some song titles. Okay. And uh, one of the song titles is not a guar song. Okay. So you can you can either like you can consult Sean and then make your best guess. Okay. You're not going to pull the cover card, are you? Because they don't nope. have. Okay. All right. Nope. All right. So here you go. This is your first. This is your first set of songs. Saddam Agogo, Pepperoni, the issue of tissue, Space Cake, Cyborg Betty. Third one. What do you think, Sean? Oh, come on.
1: I mean <laughs> well, that's the thing. He's gonna know, so I really can't ask him for help because he's just gonna give the answer. I know they're
2: all those
0: are all on this toilet <laughs> They they are actually all on this toilet or The fourth one, Cyborg uh, is actually that's a that's a clutch song. Okay. All right. We'll try we'll try one or two more of these, all right. Um next up, fuck this place. Death to Dickie Duncan. Uh, twenty minutes of oxygen, and Viking Death Machine.
1: first
2: one? Uh, no. It was it was the third one that time. Okay, it was the third and one. The, was it the second song? MC Chris does the vocals for it. Oh, does he? <laughs> yep. that's
0: fantastic. All right. Well, let me let me give you one more. Let's see. Let's see if you can get one of these. Uh, Black Gunner. <laughs> Bled the impaler, maggots, the years without light, and I can't think of a fourth one. I fucked it up.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> on, was fourth. the fourth one the one that you don't know? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Because uh, initially, if you would have said one more thing, I would have gone with maggots because that I associates it was slipped out immediately oh yeah, yeah. That I guess they also have a song called Baggots hey <laughs> yeah they've
2: they been slipped out to it by like eight years or so
1: <laughs>
0: so while we've enjoyed talking to you about Guar and your fandom of Guar we apparently have learned very little <laughs> we've always <only> scratched <laughs> the well, surface Talking oh, to
1: yeah look at that oh nice <laughs> here's
0: my little odorous
1: that's
2: awesome well done sir how long does that take uh, I think this was like two streams, probably like three hours. Three hours total?
1: Wow. Probably. I dig it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Very cool, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Sean. Oh, Anytime we'll, we'll figure out a thing. If yeah, we we'll Brendan to... with his pinball. You can oh, get yeah. going about that. So. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, James is going to be the tough one. James is the one I'm uh, going to be. I mean, Cohen and Cambria is kind of like because oh, yeah, you can
1: talk about the comics and
2: stuff. Yeah, there we go.
1: I, I know a little bit more about Kohi than I do about Guar. So <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, Sean, you have a fantastic diet. See you too. Welcome back to the Really Big Fan Podcast. Thanks again to Sean, uh, a.k.a. Brutal Fattery, for joining us and talking about uh, Guar. very strange band.
1: Yeah, a lot of people, They were uh, there was, a, I think, an after-party thing in Grand Rapids somewhere where they were doing a guar show after upheaval. Okay. Like, it was part of the upheaval after-party or something. Yeah. And one of the other girls was like, are you coming to shoot Guar I'm like, no. <laughs> Just like you should. Oh my god! And they did. They just did a Tiny
0: Desk concert for NPR.
1: Yeah. The just- Tiny Desk concert is like it used to be. Like you'd have like somebody like Mac Miller in there, and then yeah, all these indie artists. Yeah, and now now it's like juvenile Cypress, Cypress- Hill. Right, <laughs> it's yeah. getting off the. I don't
0: know. I don't know when it turned the corner, but now <laughs> it's the new like. Have you played a Tiny Desk concert yet? Then you're not a real band.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love it. You can, of course, follow uh, follow Sean at Brutal Fattery on Twitch, on, uh, I believe, Instagram, and uh, you see some of his art, and you can uh, check out Bathroom of the Future wherever you like to stream your musics. It's serotonin boost time. Yay! And speaking of serotonin boost, or I should say speaking of Bathroom of the Future, my serotonin boost this week is, having gone to see them last Thursday, uh, seeing the band Wheatus for the first time.
1: You say it like then. Wheatus.
0: Wheatus. Um, I, I knew Teenage Dirtbag and I spent the week listening to some of their hits on Spotify. So I would know a couple of songs going into it. Uh, They might be my new favorite band.
1: (laughs) They're way better than they should be. They were so
0: good. They're amazing. Every musician in that band is amazing. Absolutely amazing. It's one of the things I discovered listening to their stuff on, on uh, streaming was that they, some of the covers they do are like Rush. Or there's one of my favorite tragically hip songs that they covered on a on a live album. And I'm like, Ooh, I like this. And then listening to some of the originals. And I'm like, this is fun and boppy and stuff. They let the crowd choose the set list. Yep. They were like, We're we're playing Teenage Dirtbag for sure, but we're gonna play it last. So what do you guys want to hear? And people would shout stuff out and they'd be like, All right, let's do that. And then they would just do it. And that's amazing. Like you see other bands like Pearl Jam who change the set list every night, and that's cool. I like a band that can change the set list every night. And that's what it looked like. I'd look on setlist.fm going in to try and get an indication of what I was in for. And the set list was pretty much different, but it ended with Teenage Dirtbag every night. I'm like, OK.
1: So that's why. Is there one of those bands. Letting people choose it. Yeah, they just like you shout stuff out and then they play it. You should have shouted your Rush song because you did end it. Like- I did. I did once. I, I, they have
0: another song called, uh, I think it's just called Mullet. And it's about like the history of the mullet. And I kept yelling, yeah. I kept yelling mullet because I really wanted to hear it. And eventually they played it. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to yell at the band anymore. <laughs> they were uh, the lead singer uh, slash guitarist. Very fun. Very uh, high
1: energy. High energy. Very funny. Goofy faces.
0: Very goofy faces. The the backup singers were super cool. And the keyboardist was fantastic. The bass player was hilariously fun to watch. I got to talk to him after the show. And, and uh, he was he was great. I, like I said, they might be my new favorite band.
1: And this is all because I just introduced you to teenager back and you fell down a rabbit hole. It
0: is. That's the other thing too is I didn't like I didn't bother to look up how many band members there were, so that I had no clue going in what that stage was going to look like. So, like when they were setting up, I lo- I looked at you. and I was like, I think there's one more band before we this.
1: Yeah, and they just started playing. I was like. Oh, no, this is them. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> you don't look like what I thought at all.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, go listen to Edis. There's good stuff. BMX Bandits and Mulliner, fantastic songs.
1: So, for me, I'm also picking a concert, but it's it's more just a specific part of it. So, when when you are part of the cannabis community, you see a lot of very high-volume smoke sessions... And I think I just witnessed my biggest one. Okay. At Pine Knob. <laughs> Which is not where there was a cannabis event. It was where a Snoop Dogg and Wiz Khalifa event was. Is Wiz Khalifa big into cannabis? Oh, yeah. Okay. He's got his own called Khalifa Kush. All right. And he... I don't know very much about Wiz Khalifa. Yeah, he's got like branding with, um, uh, what is it? Uh, I think it's called Student Glass, and it almost looks like a hookah, but it, they have their own Taylor Gang one, which is his thing. But, uh, like, I got to hear all of my favorite Wiz Khalifa songs. Excellent. Which did not expect that to happen.
0: So you had my Weezer experience, where, like, you never like, need to see Wiz Khalifa ever again because you heard all your songs. V- yeah,
1: yeah. And it was weird because it's like I don't – so for people that don't realize how this works is that, like, we only get three songs to shoot, sometimes right. less. And so I only heard the first three songs, but then because of how the tight window of crossover was, with Snoop Dogg and Wiz Khalifa, they had it where, like, there was very minimal time in between. So Oh, that's super cool. When the set was going to stop and when it was going to start. So the handlers brought us down early. So we heard two more Wiz Khalifa songs before we actually got to, you know, go into Snoop. So. Then I heard the other two that I really liked. I'm like, I've literally heard the Wiz Wiz Khalifa song I ever liked. This is awesome because he came out to Black and Yellow and most of the stuff that he did was off of that album and the one that I know. So like Roll Up and On My Level and all that other stuff was all at the same time. And like because he's so happy and smiley, like he was entertaining to shoot and entertaining to watch. To the point of, like, Jacob and I were screenshotting even our Raws and going, like, look at this face he made. Like, what is this? Like, but it was because he was just all over the place and running around. He was the most energetic out of everybody. Yeah. I was really excited about it. But where where I get into the point of the smoke out, it wasn't even time for Wiz Khalifa. And I don't know if you guys are going to be able to see this on the stream, but I can definitely upload it somewhere. But if you can tell, that is the pavilion and the hill from Pie Knob, and it is absolutely smoked out. And that's not even with the entire audience there yet. That was during Burner. Yeah. Who was the first rapper of the day. <laughs> so it was pretty hilarious. And like to to be fair too, Burner also runs cookies. That's his his whole brand. Okay. They have that globally in like Barcelona and stuff like that. I don't know if Too Short is really as part of the cannabis community as everybody else is. But once you get into like Warren G, then you've got Regulation. Sure. And he's part of that whole crew. So as you're moving up higher in the set, everybody's getting higher and higher. Dude was just smoking like massive blunts next to me. <laughs> and like I smoke, but I was standing there going like, I I think this is a little much for me. Like, I'm like, I'm like, there's so much of it, and I'm like, massive contact time. Yeah, and everybody's like, they're like, I feel weird. And I'm like, I don't, but I'm just like, this is a lot.
0: So you look to your left. Look to your right. Everyone's smoking.
1: Yeah, everybody. Somebody had the um the Elf on the Shelf, but Snoop. <laughs> so it's Snoop on a stoop is what it's supposed to be. Right. And somebody was holding it in the crowd, and I got a picture of that. Some dude was rolling on his phone. Like like had flour on top of his phone and was just trying to roll it and I was trying to like get pictures of him but I couldn't get the right angle. But it was it was wild. So that was definitely a sight to behold.
0: I wonder if the people who work at Pine Knob actually really enjoyed it or were really annoyed by it.
1: I mean, that's the weird part is like a lot of security seems to be like, or like not necessarily security, but like the people that are in the aisles are mostly seniors. Right. So I would have to think that either they've been to Woodstock or are very against Woodstock. I'm saying, I wonder if they were like,
0: this is fun, whatever. If they're like, ah, everyone's just smoking weed, we're not going to have a problem here.
1: Right. Or if they were like... I wanted. mean, there was a whole crowd of cops, but like they can't, they're not going to stop it because it's sure. perfectly legal. It's but just... they're making sure you're not doing anything else. Yes. That's not legal. Yes, exactly. So like there was tons of troopers there and stuff like that. Well, yeah. It makes me a little nervous. I'm sure it's easy pickings <laughs> mm-hmm. for, for that kind of stuff. You'd think, yeah. And then Snoop rolled out in a car. Yeah, on the stage. That's Which was wild. Yeah. Uh, Luke, they, they made it look like he was hotboxing, even though it was a convertible. Right. But um, every time he ends uh, his next episode, every time he ends, he goes, they play the... a, And then he goes, and what the fuck we gonna do every day? And every smoke oh, weed every day. You motherfucking right. And so, like, I... I try to be as understated with like my excitement with these things, yeah. even though like one of the handlers definitely saw me singing with Khalifa. Don't give me <laughs> but like I try to like as I'm I'm working, I'm shooting. Sometimes I'm mumbling and I don't yeah. realize it or whatever. But when he did that, I was standing on Brandon's stool because he like was like, "You're short. You need to hold. You need this." So I'm standing on it, and then when he goes. What the fuck we go do every day? I was just like I had my hands up. I was just like smoke weed every day. <laughs> and I'm like, there was a lady next to me that almost burned me with her joy. Like, just it was fun though. Now you you say quite often that
0: one of the best vocalists that you've ever shot that you because you you were close enough that you could hear them actually singing as opposed to just hearing what's coming through the monitors was the guy from Disturb. Yeah, David Drayman is like perfect. How is Snoop live?
1: So Snoop is good live. Um, Sometimes sometimes rappers will do this thing, and I can't really, ra- I couldn't hear it as much this time. But I think at the film or show, they might have had like under playing. Like
0: a backing track.
1: Yeah. And like, I hate when rappers do that. That drives me nuts. Sure. I don't think he did it this time. And it sounded like with Wiz Khalifa, it only had like the ad libs in the background. Sure. Stuff like that. But there will be some rappers where, like, Snoop did do it once when he played movement. He was supposed to technically be DJing as DJ Snoopadelic. Silly. Um, and, like, they played his full song, like, with his vocals on it. And mm-hmm. he was rapping over it. And it drove me absolutely bonkers.
0: I guess I can kind of understand it. Like, uh, it's if you're going to if you're going to. Uh Oh, there it is. <laughs> I, I must. I think you bumped words, the yeah you bumped the thing, <laughs> but like if you don't want to ruin the 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 experience for the live crowd, you play the backing track. Yeah. Behind you, so that, like if you don't judge your breathing right, you're just like, right. a Couple songs between a couple words, at least the backing track will pick up for you, kind of thing.
1: Well, that's where you like seeing rap shows is really interesting, and this was actually something even that um my buddy Alfred Banks who raps in New Orleans and he does tours and stuff like that. He asked the other day, like, what do you guys prefer? Do you prefer right. somebody to rap over their tracks or not? The majority of us were like, no, it feels mm. like karaoke when you do that. Yeah. And it's not not good. Like, if you're there to perform, perform it. So, like, I didn't take any issue with anybody that I saw because I feel like they all were performing very well for the Snoop show. But, like, I've seen other rappers do it. And, yeah. like. No, I, and I absolutely understand. Like I, Eminem can do it, you can do it. Right. Eminem has to put way more syllables in it than all of you. <laughs> he did rap God Live, and that will still be one of the craziest things I have ever seen in my life. I like that.
0: That should be on a shirt. If Eminem can do it, you can do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which Snoop did end up at Mom's Spaghetti, too. Yes, he did. AM, so uh, full circle there. <laughs> there you
0: go. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's really big fan podcast. As always, I encourage you to follow us on Twitch, where you can watch us do this on Wednesday mornings at Really Big Fan Pod. You can also watch me play Fortnite mainly, but plenty of video games. Um, you can follow us on social media. We're on Threads, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I don't think we have very much on our TikTok. We don't. But and Twitter. And Twitter which is dying. Right. Um. Or, or or X. If you if you're you know. Actually, it's not. It's
1: still Twitter to me, damn it!
0: Twitter to me. Damn it. It's my new pine knob. There you go. <laughs> uh, you can follow us on all of that at Really Big Fan Pod, and that's where you can find us over on Patreon, where you can get uh, ad-free versions of the shows. And as of this week, the first episode of our second podcast, which is Patreon exclusive, called the Really Big Fan Pod Double Feature. I get together with Mike Pandolf, who's been a guest on the show. He loves movies, and we pick out some of our favorite movies, and we start ranking them. We're making a list to see what uh, what our favorite movies are and where they are. So we haven't come to blows over anything yet, but it's only the first episode. It'll happen. <laughs> We're going to disagree. Eventually, he's going to tell me one of my favorite movies is crap, and I'm going to quit the show. <laughs> uh, you can, you can uh, for the $5 box fan tier, you can get that, the ad-free shows and that show, over at patreon.com slash reallybigfanpod. And don't forget our constant garage sale over <laughs> on eBay. Constant garage sale. Buy the things. Non-stop garage sale. <laughs> that helps us helps us feed Kylo and Lou and Lou. used last week. You're like, help us feed Kylo.
1: Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> did not mention Lou at all. No. But Lou is just lumped into that. I just say Kylo because everybody knows Kylo. Yeah, well, Kylo's the sweet boy. Yeah, Lou is the terror. L- Lou is the menace. He is. He's a fuzzy terrorist. He's. He should have been named Dennis.
0: <laughs> all right. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks once again for listening to the Really Big Fan Podcast.
1: The world is lucky that I never became a teacher. Did you did you have aspirations to be a teacher? I thought I was going to end up a history teacher. When was this? Uh when I was in like high school, like first few years of high school. High school really? Yeah, um I had a lot of really good history teachers, like um my my teachers Mr. Gold and Mr. Danziger were like my favorite people. Yeah. And uh it was funny because they were like the mayor from Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. But like two separate people. Right. Like, Mr. Gold was more of, like, the gruff one, and then Dan Ziger was, like, super smiley. So, like, I always hung out with them, which was weird. Right. Like, I was I was a nerd. What do you want? But I always thought between that and, like, my cousin was a teacher, my uncle was a teacher. Interesting. It always just seemed like, like that's where I was headed because, like, those two were also history teachers. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I, I could be a history teacher. I'm, like, really into this stuff and... I ended up getting, like, heavy into taking history classes. So, like, I took AP American. Right. They have us do, like, 1845 to 1945 and then 1945 to present or something like that or, like, 1800s, wherever the Civil War was. But they also had, like, Old West Civil War, World War II. Like, you could take all these extra classes. Right. I took World War II because I'm a weirdo, and I wanted to know more about... Well, World War II is fascinating. It is fascinating. I always feel, like, bad saying that it's fascinating. Right. It was fascinating. And then from that point, like, I I thought, okay, like, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. And then I got into journalism class. And then that got flipped on its head and I turned into political journalism. Right. And so it was headed that direction. And then the photography thing just kind of was billowing beneath the surface the whole time. So by the time I got out of high school, I was like, yeah, I'm just going into journalism and graphic design and stuff because I took so many design courses.
0: I cannot imagine you in political journalism.
1: Yeah, I would have already gotten canceled, I'm sure.
0: You would be so furious all
1: the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, this is also, you know, I was like, I, I almost worked on the Obama campaign at one yeah. point. Like, like I was, I was a weirdo. But um, I think what saved me was all my teachers that I did like my design courses and stuff for was like, you know, you're really good at this intuitively. I was helping teach the other students how to code websites and mm-hmm. stuff. I can't do it now. <laughs> it's not the same brain I had when I had a live journal. No, it's much smoother. Yes. But um, with all of that, it was like now I look at it and go, oh, my God, I would have hated every every teenager. Like, <laughs> I would have not been able to be an, an elementary school or middle school teacher. I would need to be around competent half adults at least to function. Cause, like, there is no way that I could keep myself that, um, uh, what is it? Like, appropriate all the time. Right. I, I am just a massively inappropriate person. So.
0: I still get like, the same feeling i got in high school if i see three or more teenagers like in a group look at me uh-huh. and then start talking i'm like oh shit they're talking about me this is embarrassing you're making fun of me kind of thing like it, that still happens and i'm 46 <laughs> it's funny you came to journalism through like history because uh-huh. i was an english kid like i loved reading books and and writing and, and that kind of thing and that folded in into high school, into journalism.
1: Oh yeah. I was totally a bookworm too. It just didn't manifest in that way. Right. It actually manifested really through the tech stuff because my my tech teacher, we had two com tech teachers that ran the same class because that's how big the class was. And that's where I did like dark room and screen printing and all that other stuff. But like she was like, hey, you're good at this writing thing. Maybe you should be the editor of the paper. Yeah. And I'm like, uh I don't know the first thing about that. She goes, oh, that's OK. I'll send you and Danielle to MSU for a journalism conference. And, and I
0: sucked into it. That was the coolest thing when I was in high school is the journalism conference. Yeah. We got to go. I did journalism for two years. I was on the paper and we got to go to like MSU and stuff.
1: Yeah. Hang out at a college campus for an afternoon. It was- that's when I found out I have a caffeine problem. Yeah. I don't Not surprised. I couldn't find a coffee shop on the campus.
0: So, <laughs> history was your, was your like, great subject. What was your worst subject?
1: Oh, God, anything scientific or math. Yeah. Math especially. Math. I, I would say math. Up top. Up top. Yeah. yeah, definitely math. Um, I was always, like, skating by with math. I was... Like, a, the craziest math teachers, too. They were, like, so mean about it.
0: I was an all-A student until junior high school, and they introduced us to algebra. Yeah. That was, like, the first C I ever got, and I was devastated and it was all downhill from there because once i figured out that you could get a c but still pass i was like oh well then why am i working so
1: hard so one time my mom was working and she brought up to one of the patients because she worked in a dental office uh said like oh yeah you know my daughter does this and this in school or whatever and then she's like she's not that great at math so she's like oh it's okay honey she'll grow out of it and she goes i don't think she will and she goes why do you say that? And she's like, she's 24. <laughs> and they're like, how old were you when you had her? Like, it was like some sort of devastating thing. But like, no, I, I've i never been good at math and that led into biology. And then there was a kid that tried to cheat off me in biology. <sighs> and I, I told him, like, I don't know why you're copying off of me, bro. I'm in as bad grades as you. And he goes, but you're at least getting a D. I'm getting an F. (laughs) And I'm like, fair. Okay, get me a cigarette and you can have my paper.